Hello. I am standing in this week, so I don't know if I will be able to do this justice, but uh, welcome to the We Might Be Biased podcast. Uh, Today, you have the Brothers edition. David, how are you? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. I had a a wonderful Halloween. We took... uh, Took our son James out for his first ever Halloween, and he tolerated it very well. How was yours? Uh, Sam did well in his second uh, official trick-or-treating experience. So went up, uh, hit a couple houses, got some extra candy for being super cute. So success. Good job, Sam. And and what did Sam go as this year? Uh, Sam uh, is really a big fan of the movie Moana. So we went as the character Maui, played by The Rock. So that's pretty good. That was natural. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was, he doesn't uh, quite have the eyebrow down, but it's we, okay. We don't quite have the ability to throw a picture into the uh, podcast, technologically speaking, but uh, the costume was indeed incredibly cute, so very well done. Uh, we are missing our third musketeer this evening because uh, Mastin actually got called in to go to a gala. And no, that is not a excuse <laughs> or some sort of B-movie plot. That is actually why he is not here. David, trivia, trivia for you. What differentiates a gala from just a dinner? I think you, there has to be the opportunity to steal the Declaration of Independence. I think that's... I, I think so. I believe, I believe galas are set up strictly by counterintelligence operations to steal Some matters sort of, of great importance. has to be taking place. That's how the Magna Carta was taken in 1522. Yes, the first gala. <laughs> Actually, if you look it up, the, uh, the dictionary definition of gala... Um, it actually says it is a social occasion with special entertainments, yes, with an S, or ah, performances. Okay. So uh, what, sort of, uh, what sort of entertainments or performances do you think Mastin is enjoying this evening? I, I hope it's something with the pan flute. That's what I'm thinking. You haven't heard of that much lately. I think it's due for a comeback. I think he's getting a water skiing squirrel. <laughs> That's what I think he's getting. Oh, I think they're just gonna have, think they're just gonna have a tank in the center of the room, and Zippy the water skiing squirrel is gonna make an appearance. I would take and that. and deliver the keynote. <laughs> yes. So we are uh, back to football after a uh, after a, after a bye week and a, an opportunity to really savor uh, a nice win against uh, in state rival. We. Uh, we turn our attention to uh, to the home stretch here, and couldn't start off uh, really with a bigger game than uh, than Penn State come to town. And uh, you know, full disclosure, we have a, a little bit of a, a, an even deeper investment in this rivalry as uh, as the third part of our trio, our younger sister, uh, attended said school out in Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. uh, our brother in law also attended said school, and uh, you know. Just a just a swell guy. Couldn't think anything more of him. But uh, you know, one Saturday a year, we just happen to have differing opinions on a few things. So, <laughs> so there yeah. you go. So, what what do you think about this matchup coming up, Dave? Ah, uh, I mean, say Penn State's weird because it's just it feels like they should this whole the whole season. It feels like they should be better. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did. They did lose a lot on offense. Uh, replacing those kind of players is not something that you can expect to to do flawlessly. But I mean, a lot of teams are ha- like early in the season. A lot of teams hanging around, and they would just kind of explode in the fourth quarter. But that kind of hasn't happened as much of late, and it's just kind of been kind of weird, just weird games. The Michigan State and the Iowa game are the two I mainly paid attention to. But 
Well, even yeah. some of their wins have been very like on the road at Illinois was a game for three quarters. Uh, App State at the start of the year took them to overtime at home. Mm-hmm. IU wasn't over until the final possession. Really, like uh, you know, they they very easily could be a couple of plays from uh, from undefeated coming into Ann Arbor, and and likewise they could be three or four plays from maybe looking at three or four losses at this point in the year. It's it has been very odd because they're very clearly capable of exploding at, at any point in time. I mean, they absolutely blew the doors off Illinois in the fourth quarter. Um, but then there's also, you know, periods of time where they just seem to be really stuck. And um, it seems to be very much a boom or bust type of offense. And, you know, I guess that's probably to be expected given what they lost uh, in terms of Moorhead and all the productivity, you know, between Barkley and Gasicki uh-huh. and, you know, a lot of the the big cogs in the wheel last year uh, moved on, um, but they, you know, they, they still certainly present a, a, for, a formidable challenge. So it's going to be very interesting um, to see how we come out of this bye week. I uh, I was curious to see what your thoughts were. I, I you know around uh, different corners of the internet, you always get the uh, the full uh, the full <laughs> full uh, spectrum of Michigan fan uh, self loathing and uh, anxiety <laughs> and worry. And uh, the the flavor du jour this week seems to be uh, that we are we come out flat off of bye weeks under Jim Harbaugh. What what say you to that, David? I ju- I just can't like uh, one. It, it, we've had like three of those. Four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, and, three so far. And, and two, college football is just such a transient thing. I, I I've kind of tried to give up on saying, well, I think this is a hard and fast rule that is going to just keep happening. Absolutely, I'm always wrong. When I think that, so I, I, I mean, uh, you know, I think coming out at home after a bye week, particular, I, I would, I would, I think the bye weeks at a good time. I think, you know, the team seems like they, they're able to stay focused going from Wisconsin to Michigan State. But I think the emotions we saw after the Michigan State win, it's good that they had kind of a week to, I, to calm down from that before. I think I would have been. I think I would have been more concerned had we not had the bye and had to go right into the Penn State game after the Michigan State game. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, the, the setup. I, I did do some digging uh, with our extra time off. And so, as you said, we have uh, under under Coach Harbaugh, we've had uh, three such performances off of bye weeks. Uh, 2015, the bye week came after the uh, the punt debacle, which we will not speak any more of. And we went to Minnesota and ended up winning that game on a goal line stand. Thank you, Tracy Clays. Um, so I managed to pull one out of the fire there to win. Um, in 2016, we played Illinois at home and beat them 41 to 8. And then 2017, that was the uh, the monsoon game against Michigan State. So, uh, And as for the notion that we come out flat, you may recall we went right down the field, kicked the field goal, sent them off the field with a three and out, got the ball back. Uh, drove to midfield and then Ty Isaac fumbled and changed the entire football game. So I, uh, I, I don't necessarily have any real big concerns about Michigan's level of preparedness heading into this game. I think, uh, I think the way the season has gone and last year's result uh, and the fact that Penn state is a good football team and hasn't been a good football team. Uh, I think Michigan will be ready to play uh, come toe meat leather on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, it, Going, you know, if thinking about it, you know, the, you know, the offense definitely, Penn State's offense definitely got us last year uh, with really kind of getting their skill guys in space and then getting them the ball and with the chances to make some moves. And 
as we're seeing in the NFL, uh, Saquon Barkley is not exactly easy to bring down when you get him uh, the ball yeah. in his face. Yeah. But um, I just uh, I know the the slot receiver that I know Michigan recruited for a while, uh, but couldn't quite fit into that class that they had. KJ Hamler seems to be the yes. but if they get him the ball in space, but he's kind of the only they don't have anyone to really compliment him necessarily. It seems like uh, it doesn't feel like they, they've got a lot of highly touted running backs, but I don't think they're quite experienced enough to be to you know i don't know if anyone's gonna fill barkley's shoes but they have not uh come too close uh at least in what i've seen and uh mcsorley doesn't seem to if he had one outside receiver i think you'd probably see his stats be a lot better but he's having to shoulder a lot more of the load i think this year and while you know certain games i think he's capable of that i'll be you know uh I'm going to have to see it to believe it when a, a team gets, you know, gets Don Brown twice in a row. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to have to happen. Like, I, I don't see, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the Michigan's offense, at least from what we've seen so far, should, you know, at home should be able to hopefully control the game somewhat. So I, I don't, you know, unless Penn State's offense kind of explodes, I'm not sure how they uh, kind of come away uh, with this game. So that's that's kind of what I'm feeling at the moment. But gotcha, gotcha. I th- I think from you know just a general overall take. I mean, um, there's there's a decent part of me that thinks the initial Vegas line. I think it was like eleven or eleven and a half. Uh, seems about right, um, given the way the matchups seem to be breaking down in this game. I know uh, listening to Brian and listening to the WTKA this week, there's a lot of people that seem to think that line's pretty high. Um, you know, it's always tough to see to, to approach a game. I mean, uh, last year's teams aren't playing this game this Saturday. So, I mean, last year's result, while it might serve as motivation one way or the other, um, you know, just the fact that, you know, the, a number of those players who aren't on the field, you know, we're not going to have Mike McRae uh, lined up across from Saquon Barkley on Saturday. Um, and I think a lot of um, the ways that Penn State – was able to kind of isolate those mismatches. Um, you know, that ability is now down at Mississippi state on the sideline yeah, <laughs> in, in yeah. the form, in the that, form of the offensive big, coordinator. You know, that, that is a big thing because you definitely saw a definite uptick when, when Joe Moorhead was there uh, compared to the early, uh, early Penn state offenses, which I think did have, a, you know, talent has never been in short supply there, but I think you, you've seen uh, kind of a, early on a lack of utilization. Uh, but yeah, so that, that, that will be an interesting kind of difference seeing how, you know, beyond the players being lost, how kind of their game plan either differs or tries to say, if they try to do some of the same things with the players they have or something like that, it'll be interesting to see uh, that matchup again. Yeah. I, and I think you hit on a key one that, that we'll cover here in just a little bit when we're talking about their offense, but I think, I think Hamler and what they're able to maybe do with him in the slot, um, is one of the key two or three items in this game that at least definitely have my attention, you know, leading into it. Don't kick um, to him. Yeah, no joke. Just Don't kick it out it. of bounds. Just <laughs> kick it out of bounds. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, that's dad. That's dad speaking through both of us right there. Just kick it out of bounds. Um, one of the things, you know, looking at Penn State's schedule that I, that I thought was kind of interesting and, and maybe playing into the line just a little bit here. That, so they've... Their road games so far this season, okay, at Illinois, at Pitt, and at Indiana. And mm-hmm. so not exactly um, 
you know, a, a, a who's who of the, of the upper echelons of, uh, of college football right now. And, and really, you know, the pit game was a blowout. It was played in an absolute monsoon. Um, but Illinois and Indiana were actually football games for, uh, for, for the large chunks of, of the game there. So I think, I think that's a factor that I haven't seen covered a whole lot going into it. I think this is by far the best team, uh, certainly on the road that they're playing. And I think in terms of completeness on both sides of the ball, uh, the stiffest test, test that Penn State has seen. Um, and then, you know, that that we've mentioned a lot kind of in, in a general overview of looking at kind of, you know, their, their offense. But uh, no no preview would be complete without talking about James Franklin and uh, and his role in the game. Uh, your your thought on uh, on Frames Janklin, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm just I'm not uh, I'm not very impressed. Uh I just get it's it's kind of things that you know as a Michigan fan who lived through some other coaching eras I kind of see the hallmarks of just just not doesn't quite know what to do you know in the moment it seems yeah. like and it's just kind of base in it you know it, it seems you know uh, you probably point me to a fan base that doesn't complain about clock management and I'll probably give you thirty bucks but <laughs> but there had been some some pretty some gross malpractices there and just <laughs> yeah just some. Just some interesting head scratching calls that, that that kind of remind me of a, a few previous coaches that weren't quite as successful. Uh, well, and it's it, it's some of it too. I, I mean, give the man his due. He's a phenomenal recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to establish a, a pretty solid staff for you know his his stretch run these last two years. Um, but he's also really proven time and again in game. Uh, a gross inability to really recognize situation and, and, and plan for it. I mean, you know, you go back to, to the game in Ann Arbor two years ago where he's kicking a field goal down four scores to uh, to remain down four scores. Pretty early in with, the third with, quarter. If I, I was going to say, with a good 28 minutes of football left to play, um, you know, that he had the lead against Ohio State and managed to milk, I think, 16 seconds off the clock with like three minutes to go uh, that gave them the ball back. Um, and did the exact same thing again against Michigan State and nearly had it cost him against uh, against Indiana um, this last week against Iowa. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game, but I, I caught most of it. And, you know, he, he calls a timeout and ices his own kicker at the end of the first half instead of using it to take another shot at the end zone. Um, and, and so I, you know. From a game planning standpoint, I mean, I'm not going to say that they haven't had some effective things, but again, I think I, I, I put that more at the feet of Moorhead. Uh, Penn State jumped out to a quick 14 nothing lead in Happy Valley last year, but a lot of people forget that was a 14-13 game before uh, before they managed to put one in right before halftime. And, and with our offense and uh, the way our quarterback was playing, that was enough to, to basically ice that game away into the third quarter. Um so when it when it comes to coaching, I think one of the things that I that personally for me as a as a uh, biased Michigan fan, remember the title of the podcast, um, I I feel that we have that matchup covered in spades, uh, up and down. And so you know the, the coaches aren't necessarily going to win it, but certainly some of the decisions and some of the approaches can uh, dramatically impact the teams. And uh, I I feel very comfortable going up against against James Franklin. The, the memory of the 2014 matchup against Brady Hoke at night does not go away easily. No, that was a time so management that, just uh, brutality. That was just the, just throwing haymakers of poor decision making 
on both sides, which was just a real, <laughs> just even in the stadium, it's just like, oh boy, this is just. It was the Uno version of uh, a reverse and reverse back to you and reverse was, back yeah, to you. Was, and, was, oh uh, man. Not good. Dave, do you, Dave, do you know his, uh, his record against Michigan, Ohio state and Michigan state in his career? Uh, well, I see it now on the Google Doc, but I would not have I would not have gotten that correct. Well, I do, guess, not, do not look behind the curtain. <laughs> but it, 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 that is worse than I would have thought. Yes, three and eleven listeners. No. He is three and eleven against those three teams in uh, in his time That's in Happy Valley each, so far. Is that right? Yep, I believe that hmm. is correct. And then uh, when you when you looked at just purely ranked teams, I believe he's three and eight against ranked teams, uh, and that's counting the Iowa game this last week. So, um, you know, I I I don't want to overstate the importance of that, but I do think that's playing into a little bit of why you're seeing Vegas set that line where they do. Um, so yeah, before before we jump into the uh, the individual unit breakdowns, I, I did forget to cover. Uh, two of the hot topics, uh, at, at least, you know, one, one nationwide across college football and the other, a little bit more Michigan centric, but, uh, the, uh, the college playoff rankings, uh, first edition came out on Tuesday. David, do you care? Uh, what month is it? It's October. Oh, it's November now. Oh, it's November me, now? November. No, I still don't care. Um, uh, I don't either. I don't either. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Michigan centric one, uh, so Chris Weber, is uh, is going to be the honorary captain this Saturday? Um, thoughts on that? Any issues from your standpoint? And what kind of reception do you think he sees uh, right before kickoff? Uh, I think the reception will probably be fine because you know we're there. You know, it's a football game. We're there to be you know whatever and get pumped up. And also yeah. at this point, I just can't. You know, it's hard to drum up a whole I, lot of vitriol. I, 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 I wish he would have like just kind of cop to it. And apology, and like you know, whatever apology that you know that's worth or is actually necessary for a kid taking money, which at this point I'm kind of like you know what, whatever. But because it's not like we're honoring the you know Ed Martin or anything like that, right? Um, yeah, we're not putting Ed Martin on our shoulders and so, walking him around yeah. the field. And, and, yeah. yeah, and at this point with recent, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, transgressions, you know, paying people has has slid down my list a little bit uh, from where it used to be. Um. Not, you know, it's against the rules and you should get punished for that. And, you know, Chris Weber in Michigan basketball was so, you know, well, uh, I yeah. I would say they've, they they I would say that time served. Um, but I do agree with you. I think there would be uh, I, I, I am going to be excited to see him. Um, I think it would be great to eventually have this lead toward a, a Fab Five reunion at some point uh, for the basketball team. Um, but I, I it would feel a little less eh if he had apologized in some way. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's nitpicking and I'm not here to bemoan what happened and, and everything that's gone on. But, um, you know, I, I also won't sit here and say that, you know, it, it, what he did was, was right and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of layers to it. I totally agree with you in the grand spectrum of things, et cetera. But there's also, I think, a, a contingent of the Michigan fan base that, associates what happened as a result of that in the 15 years of just purgatory the basketball program was in uh, and perhaps unfairly 
lays it at the feet of Weber when, you mm-hmm. know, certainly there were coaching decisions and other things that went into that. But yeah, he didn't, hey, he didn't maybe, hire Brian Ellery. So yeah. no, but you know what? Maybe, maybe it was a long play for us to eventually get our basketball bow, which is John Beeline. If that's how that had to work out, I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. So yeah. And, and John I, Beeline has been talking about this for a good while. So I, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not, if, if he's fine with it, then I'm okay. So. I was just going to say that if, if Jim Harbaugh and John Beeline are, uh, uh, you know, going through the effort to invite him back, then he's made enough inroads and and probably been contrite enough that yeah. he deserves to be there. And and quite honestly, I hope he gets a thunderous reception on Saturday. I, I, I think he will. Just make up um, with Jalen Rose in private. I don't care anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No Twitter. No Twitter discussions about yes. it. Just 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 make up. So, uh, Dave, flip a coin. What do you want to start with, defense or offense here? Oh my God! There's more pages of this. Oh, there's plenty of pages. Oh man, okay. Uh, I, I had to work a couple of night shifts, so I had some time. Okay. <laughs> uh, defense, I guess. Defense. Let's put the defense on the field. Uh, so Penn State defense. Um, I had a chance to go through. I, I tend to use Football Outsiders, which is S and P plus, because um, I. I think their numbers are a little bit easier to kind of grasp looking at some of their advanced metrics and tend to at least match my own. Uh, perhaps skewed, but my own eyeball test, you know, in terms of in terms of what we're seeing. Uh, so Penn State's defense, their rushing defense, 54th overall. Overall defense, however, is nearly a top 20 unit. They're number 21 in S&P. Um, I always try to take a look at the rushing offenses that a team has faced uh, because I think uh, that tells even a more complete story. So um, they've played a number of teams who are ranked actually into triple digits. So if we say Ohio state, we round up They're 99th in S and P uh, Iowa is 116th. Michigan state is 110th. Um, so I mean, not exactly uh, a who's who uh, of moving the ball on the ground, but they have faced a couple of attacks. So, so Michigan comes in at 11th in the S and P so far in the season, uh, believe it or not, Pitt uh, is 12th. And Illinois is fifth or fourteenth, excuse me, fourteenth. Why? Both of those teams, yeah, both <laughs> of those teams managed to accrue two hundred and forty-five yards on the ground uh, against the Nittany Lions. So, um, I, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think the rushing defense is, is an area that we're going to look to exploit. Um, one of the areas that seems to be a matchup that would at least give me some pause leading into the game. Um, Feel free to disagree with me here, Dave, but I think this might be the best defensive line we have seen since the Notre Dame game. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I, 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 not even really knowing any of the players, I just kind of assume. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This guess, well, uh, with, like Michigan State with, might have been close, but they just, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Michigan State had one or two guys yeah. and we could kind of game plan around them a little bit and like, I think we even got cheeky a little bit in that game and tried to try to throw a tight end at him a couple of times and we paid for it. Yeah. Um, you know, technically speaking, looking at the statistics, Penn state actually leads the conference in sacks. Um, so, you know, they, they've got that going for them, which is nice. Um, and they have a number of guys. So I, I, from what I have seen and, and dipping my toe into the water of uh, the Penn state blogosphere, um, Sharif Miller, who's number 48, Kevin Givens, number 30, uh, seem to be kind of the dudes. Uh, there's a guy named Yetter Gross Matos. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize, Matt. Uh, we'll call that's, him YGM. Uh, that's a... <laughs> Who, uh, in the last two weeks, David, you ready for this? 19 tackles, 
six tackles for loss and four sacks. Now, granted, Indiana and Iowa, but still, that's pretty solid. It feels like a hero from World of Warcraft or something. I'm sure he's from Harrisburg. That's a pretty, or that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty great name. So, joking aside, the defensive line to me, uh, I, I think, is going to determine, not to sound like Joel Klatt, but if Michigan can stay out of obvious third and long passing downs, um, I, I think that's going to be a huge step forward towards negating some of the ability that Penn State has in terms of creating pressure on uh, on Patterson. Yeah. Um, and so I think that puts even more emphasis on on the ability to try to run the ball. Um, and I, I think we're going to see some some game planning where you'll see him rolling out uh, perhaps a little bit more. Um, from what I have seen, at least from watching kind of the, the Indiana and the Iowa games are probably the two that I've seen the largest percentage of Penn state, uh, football. Um, I would not be surprised if we're able to burn them on a, uh, on an arc read keeper, uh, with Patterson at some point in this game. Will someone start covering him? That's a good question. That's a good question. (laughs) Who knows? You know? Um, but I, I, if, if we're looking at a matchup that at least to me, uh, has the potential to make this game go from how I think it's going to go to one of those where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm nervous in the fourth quarter, uh, it's going to be a, a, a mid season checkpoint to see where this offensive line is. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, all of us would, would say that we've been really pr- perhaps surprised and, and very pleasantly. So with the progression from what we saw in South Bend, uh, but this might be the biggest test we've had since that game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think, and they, I think they've improved the, to the point in my eyes, at least that I'll be surprised if they, if they don't kind of pass that test, like, or like, yeah, not, maybe not pass with flying colors, but at least are able to hold up fairly well. Uh, just cause they haven't, you know, I, I know, you know, I guess in some of the advanced looking at from the Michigan state game, it felt like it gave up some pressures mostly on the tight ends, but I never, I didn't feel really that way during the game. At least it didn't feel like uh, they were collapsing every, every two seconds, which is basically what the Notre Dame game felt like. So I I think a similar performance should be enough to keep the offense moving. Yeah. And and I would even argue, I mean, I think we talked about it after the Michigan state game. If, If we had any criticisms of Patterson, it was almost that he wasn't trusting the protection quite enough mm-hmm. and that maybe he was uh, getting rid of the ball or getting out of the pocket a, a beat or two too soon. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly uh, would say that, you know, the, the performance since Notre Dame has been uh, just a, a nonstop uh, uh, just attestation of uh, Ed Werner's ability as an offensive line coach. Um, and, you know, watching, watching them against Indiana and, and Iowa, it, it wasn't exactly like they were just hewing down, you know, dudes left and right. I mean, I, I think Iowa, if they even get a, a – the Iowa game for them was very eerily similar to our game against Michigan State last year where uh, if we had a, a, a functional quarterback in, we win that football game. And, and the same can be said for Iowa and Nate Stanley. I mean, he went 18 for 49 two picks including one of the worst I've ever seen in a good while that was, that was like an intramural football level interception I mean it was it barely spiraled and uh and that's not saying anything of the fake that they ran I mean this was <laughs> you know we joke about this but this was Kirk Ferentz's like bizarro Kirk Ferentz game where he calls like fakes and does all <laughs> these things and like pulls all the stops out and like he has to be kicking himself because it's 
you know, if it's any other game, they probably actually win it. But his quarterback just absolutely ruined the game for him. So, um, I mean, credit to Penn State for making the plays when they had to and they were there. But but Iowa, watching that whole game, Iowa felt like the team that was uh, in better position to, to control well, yeah, That kind of game. interception literally on the goal line, like you, know, you would have expected yeah. Penn State to have to drive down down a point to try to, to try to win the game. But Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I will admit I have not done quite as much research on the Penn State uh, secondary. Uh, I could tell you that the linebackers uh, seem to be a little bit of a step back from where they were a year before. Um, I don't think there's necessarily anybody that jumps off the page as someone who's going to make our lives uh, miserable from the linebacking core. Um, It'll be interesting to see from a matchup standpoint what we try to do and if we see a little bit of Chris Evans maybe um, and and what we try to do flying uh, in that kind of slot receiver type role. Um, The secondary, like I said, I I believe they've actually performed fairly well on the year, but unfortunately I couldn't tell you if there's there's much there that that acts as like a dangerman to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, and you could not either. No. I, I understand. No, I say uh, catch catch the ball, guys. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what one hundred percent. Run the run the correct. routes good. Catch catch the ball would be my catch. Run after catching it, not before. Uh... Nice, nice. So uh, I think uh, I think that about covers it for the defense. I think the big thing for us is seeing exactly what we're going to be dealing with uh, on the defensive line and, and how we try to exploit that. Um, I, 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 at least having watched them a little bit and seeing how the numbers break down, I would not be surprised to come us, see us come out and try to, uh, to pound the football um, and, and try to open things up a little bit from there. But uh, I, I think if you're looking at a strength of the Michigan offense and perhaps one of the weaknesses of the Penn state defense, uh, I, I think that's a well you at least have to explore. Yeah, and, so, uh, and convert uh, convert into touchdowns is the yes, please. Because uh, you know, we're not I, we're not you know I get well. All right, we'll play a couple more teams where you can get away with that, but this <laughs> is not one of them. So no, no, we can't. We cannot go through a second quarter like we did in East Lansing again, where you get wonderful field position. And uh, th- this is a team with someone like McSorley, who uh, if it's a close game, that's a guy who can flip it in one play. And uh, you need to do everything you can to prevent the, the busted play from from absolutely turning the entire football game. Yes. Um, so with that said, how about the Penn State offense, Dave? Uh, Trace McSorley is, is important to that. He's good. Like I, I, He's I, good. I, I don't know if maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough or not, but because he, he got dinged up in the Iowa game and another you know, backup came in. And the announcers were talking yes. about it in like the idea that, Trace McSorley was never going to set foot on the football field again. <laughs> they very much and I, and well, I had watched and, like their backup quarterback, whose name I didn't catch, like lead like a six yard drive and then like go three and out basically. And I was, I was very confused. As yes. To, and they, well, and they made it seem, I mean, I, when the injury first happened, it seemed a little bit odd, but then the way they were approaching it made it seem terrible. And like, it was at least a, a season ending type deal. And then, uh, like you said, I think their their backup quarterback's name is Stevens, uh, and he came in and initially looked like he was never going to throw the football and just uh, you know a lot of kind of zone read keeps, um, 
and then they put a brace on McSorley and he looked to be able to bear weight and was warming up on the sideline. And then next thing you know, he's, you know, busting the game open with a 51 yard touchdown to start the, to start the second half. Um, so I'm under the operating uh, belief that he is, he's a hundred percent. And if he's not a hundred percent, we need to treat it like it's hundred percent because he's definitely going to play. Yeah. So, um, but so goes him. So goes the offense, uh, which sounds odd to say when you, when you have a five-star running back like Miles Sanders. Uh, and it's not that Miles Sanders has even had a, uh, a, a bad season. I mean, he, he's already got 834 yards on the year. Uh, he's averaging six yards a carry. The, the dude is a, a very solid back. Um, but he's unfortunately the band following Saquon Barkley. So, you know, yeah. um, but in terms of how that offense moves, it's McSorley and it's with his feet, in my opinion. Um, you know, you look at his passing numbers on the year. They, like we talked about earlier, I mean, they've always kind of been a boomer, a bust offense uh, in terms of the plays they're running. Um, but his his yards per, uh, per pass attempt is down uh, pretty considerably this season. So he's down to 7.05. Um, putting that in context, okay, so last year – uh, 8.36, which nationally would, would, would put you into the upper echelon, uh, 2016, which we all joked was just the, uh, Kurt Kittner jump ball and hope offense. Uh, he had an obscene 9.34, um, which, you know, as you start looking through these stats, that just jumps off the page. Uh, so, so a, a noticeable drop off this year, um, uh, their, their passing offense actually checks in at 69th on the S and P plus, you know, uh, advanced metrics. Nice. Um, to just put that, yeah, South Park next. Um, to, to put that into con- context for us, you know, as Michigan fans, uh, Patterson's yard per pass attempt so far this season is eight point two eight, which is godlike compared to what we got <laughs> last year uh, with O'Corn six point two and Peters six point two two, which uh, just uh, not great. Oh man, let's just not think about it. So. Um, you know, the one thing I have come across, and I think uh, I think it was mentioned on Go Blog today as well, the, there have been a fair number of drops uh, from the Penn State receivers this year. Uh, McSorley is actually only completing 52% of his passes on the season. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any explanation for that. I mean, it's the same dudes who are dropping the passes who are going to play in this game. And sometimes that, to me, just seems like a total random number generator. And sometimes it probably speaks to the fact that you and I can't name an outside receiving. I tell you, well, yeah, when you, you're you not always going to be able to slot in a guy who's going to, you know, have the production of Deshaun Hamilton or yeah. Chris Godwin. And then so they've always seen I, whatever Godwin and somebody. That's two years ago. They've had they've had some dudes uh, from a matchup standpoint, and you can probably throw uh, Gesicki in there as well. Yeah. People, you can um, throw it up who, to, uh, and then yeah. have a come down with it. Whereas these guys yeah. either maybe don't quite have that skill or aren't quite ready to do to take that load yet. Uh, which well, and I think I, I think we can appreciate that. I mean, to give you an example from a Michigan standpoint, I mean, look at what Chad Henney was able to do with Braylon Edwards his freshman year, um, and. Not that it was just a chuck it up and pray offense, but when you have a player who's capable of making those plays, those chuck those chucked up balls down the sideline become a little less of a 50-50 proposition and probably tilt more in the uh, more in the category of the offense. And if if you're able to get those matchups and have a dude who can make those plays, I mean hats off to him. Yeah. So but I think I think one of the key differences this year in this matchup versus last year is they don't have a guy that, that creates that kind of matchup. Um, in a vacuum, and they certainly don't have a guy that creates that kind of matchup against our secondary. So, 
Um, that'll be interesting. I think, I think the big thing, you know, looking ahead, if I was game planning, uh, having watched, um, Prochet from SMU, uh, I would be trying to get KJ Hamler, the ball, uh, in space as many times as I possibly could, yep. uh, if I was Penn state. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of like we talked about with the offensive line, I think this is going to be an opportunity for the defense. Um, you know, we, we have basically shut the slant rants, slant routes, excuse me, down, uh, these last several games and even started to run some looks where we're trying to do like a robber off of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be very interested to see, I, I, I would anticipate Penn state comes out and tries to test our response to that early. Um, and I think that could set the tone, uh, right away because if, if they're able to complete some passes and have to make us adjust, I think that opens things up for McSorley's legs a little bit, but if he's not able to threaten anything through the air, um, I don't see him getting a whole lot of opportunity to create stuff on on the ground. Um, just just my two cents. Yeah, uh, yeah. With how kind of sound they've been in terms of assignments and stuff uh, the last few weeks, I'd be surprised if McSorley had too many you know wide open lanes to to kind of get going. Um, like even on in a broken play standpoint, it seems like the, this defense has been really good this year at at, at limiting that kind of stuff. So ho- hopefully they put you know, either, you know, long or hill on Hamler most of the game and just try to kind of keep his, uh, contrib- uh, you know, contribution to a minimum or at least at the very least kind of prevent him from getting anything after the catch because that's where he's very dangerous. Yeah, 100%. It's the slants don't kill you when they're seven, eight, nine, even 10 yards where they kill you is when they turn into 30, 40, 80. Yeah. Um, Make I them think do he four had a in a row. Three if yard. they do four in a row, they're yeah. fine. Yeah, then I'll doff my cap to them, as they say. Yeah. So, um, and it's very funny to sit here. So we spent all this time talking in a, about their, you know, their offense and their team and dudes we need to look out for. And I mentioned Miles Sanders briefly. Um, and, you know, their rushing attack is actually ranked higher than ours. They're number nine S&P plus overall. Um, but I just, when I look at the teams that they've played and I look at how they run their offense, um I don't see Miles Sanders being the type of guy that's going to bust this game open purely of his own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, I think he's a good back, but he's not Saquon Barkley. Um, and I don't think he gives you the same kind of dynamic playmaking ability that Barkley does. I think um, he has the opportunity to take a seam and absolutely bust it. But I don't think um, he's the guy who's just going to, you know, they're going to run him out in the slot and have him be a receiver and try to match up against a linebacker and, and so on and so forth. I don't think he gives you that same um, kind of wild card plug into different positions type of thing that, that Barkley did for them last year. Yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, I kind of, yeah, I, I thought looked at the Russian game more as, as McSorley, which I guess is a byproduct of the Ohio state game where he ran all over them. But uh yeah, I say looking at Miles Sanders does have quite a few uh, yards. It looks like, uh, but I guess I, I guess I know he had a couple big runs against Michigan State and that kind of thing. But other than that, I haven't really seen seen much of him. So I guess I can't speak to it much. But I, I, I think if you limit McSorley's uh, rushing, you know, if Sanders gets some, I, I agree. I don't know if that'll be enough to to kind of yeah. take over the game, sort of thing. Well, and I, and I forgot, I apologize. I forgot to mention when you're talking about McSorley, he, he's actually had double digit rushing attempts in every game this season, save for uh, the Pitt game, which was a blowout. And obviously the Kent state game, which was, which was a blowout as well. So 
Uh, despite having a back in Sanders who, who, like we said, is averaging six yards a carry as eight touchdowns on the year, uh, they lean hard on McSorley uh, in the ground attack as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it presents an interesting conundrum as a, as a fan trying to predict the game because um, if you want my totally biased opinion, um, a week ago coming off the Michigan State game, I, uh, I would have said I thought this was going to be a, um, a, at least what Vegas is predicting. Um, and then, you know, that fun fan thing kicks in when you've had a little bit too much time to think about it. You haven't seen them play in two weeks. And now here we are on Thursday before the game. And I'm sitting there being like, well, I, you know, I've really liked what I've seen out of our offensive line. But um, I, I want to make sure that I'm not perhaps a little bit overvaluing our, our last two performances. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I just like the way the matchups favor us in this game. I mean, if our biggest concern is their defensive line against our offensive line, um, I feel pretty comfortable that we're going to be able to, like you said, stay in, stay ahead of the sticks, move the football. Um, and I'll take our defense against anybody in the country right now, including Trace McSorley. So um, I, I, I like how we match up. Um, we didn't touch on special teams yet. I don't know if, uh, if you've gotten to see, but their kicker actually in that Iowa game was outstanding. Okay. Um, and, and like we talked about before, uh, Quinn Nordine, uh, I mean, he's been good, but they gosh, man, I, I don't have a problem with the 50 yard plus misses, but the, uh, the knuckleballs from 32 are a little bit concerning. <laughs> I was going to pretend I didn't see it. And yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So, um, you know, I, I, I exactly like we said earlier, how about we not kick it to Hamler? Um, and uh, when it comes to Norton, just put it through the uprights. Yep. That sounds sounds like a plan from from our end of things. Um, in, in regards to the uh, to the Michigan offense, David, a couple of uh, give me three things you're hoping to see on Saturday. Uh, I guess, you know, if uh, we're able to get. Higdon with a few sprinkling of uh, Patterson runs in there. I think that's a very good sign for how the game will be going. I'd like to see a little more confidence in terms of hanging in the pocket and kind of going downfield. Cause I just think, you know, I like, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to be surprised about their secondary, but I just think with the receivers we have uh, and tight ends also, I think it's worth throwing up, throwing it up a bit more and letting them go make a play. Um, then it's just uh scoring touchdowns when you have the opportunity. So that's, you know, so basically run the offense really well, I guess is my big three uh, <laughs> points what it boils down to, which is very astute. Um, uh, well, I think those three points would be a key, <laughs> key uh, contingent of any offensive yes. success plan. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you with Higdon. I, I, I think he is not necessarily getting enough credit for what he has been able to do this year. I mean, um, I, I do not foresee this being the game where his uh, his hundred yard game uh, streak ends. I think he's going to get a hundred yards uh, on the ground, um, and I, I think he's a guy who um, gives us that kind of like we talked about Chris Perry, Mike Hart like ability, where it may not necessarily be a huge uh, huge gain every time he touches the football but he gives us that two two gives us that three four yards uh on on first and ten or second and seven Mm -hmm. that keeps it in a um an approachable down in distance for this offense 
Um, as we were talking, because I felt bad about not being able to name anybody on the uh, Penn State <laughs> on the Penn State uh, passing defense here, uh, I pulled up Football Outsiders, and so if you will forgive me for a second, um, overall passing they actually come in fifteenth in the country. Um, so they're doing something right <laughs> when it comes to their secondary. Um, you know, inter- it would be interesting to look at the uh, the passing attacks they've faced. Like I said, Stanley went 18 for 49 uh, just a week ago. But um, so uh, by no means a huge Achilles heel when it comes to the defense. Um, and I think that plays even more into what we were talking about, about us uh, focusing on focusing on the ground attack, uh, especially early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um you think we see Tariq Black on Saturday? What was he in for a snap on against Michigan State? He did State? play. He he came in for I think one snap against okay. Michigan State, and I think that was pre lightning delay. Um, and then they didn't send him back out there. But I mean, if he was healthy enough to dress, travel, and actually get on the field, yeah. I would not be surprised if we see him back. Um, and I think for us, what that does is it does open us back up to getting people's Jones into a more of a slot type role, or at least into that opposite side, deep threat Mm -hmm. um, and could really potentially open things up down the field as far as teams having to account for him. So uh, I'm going to be anxious to see that. And I would love to see us um, go back a little bit to, uh, to Gentry and McKean um, and, and utilize them, uh, in those intermediate routes against this team, because I think if you're going to have an aggressive defensive line, um, those guys going up the seam are going to have mismatches and, and be open. I'm, I'm excited um, to see Nick Eubanks's, uh 30-yard catch again. Uh, yes, on the exact on the exact same side, route that side been of the on field for, and just to yeah. sit in that pocket. And... Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're 100 percent right. That's going to be that'll be fun to see that one. Um, you know, on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan, any uh, any concerns? Any things you're really looking forward to seeing? Uh, no, it's November. It's we're at home. It's time to go, and I think this defense is ready to go. So I, I you know, I, I think Penn State's offense is absolutely capable of, of doing that. But I, uh, I've decided that I'm going to be confident in uh, Chase Winovich and Don Brown. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think through. Don Brown. This is as vocal as Don Brown has been before an individual game uh, that I can recall in his time here. Um, and I don't doubt the man for a second uh, when he says that last year. I mean, he's he's the type of coach who's going to take it on his own shoulders, right? Regardless, uh, but but I I don't I don't have anything but the utmost belief in him when he says he's been thinking about this every single day since it happened last year, and uh, I I think we've got him outgunned talent wise. When you look at our offense, our excuse me, our defense against their offense, um, they're. they're you're not outrunning Devin Bush to the edge, Trace McSorley. I'm sorry. Uh, and if you are, Khalid Hudson is there waiting for you. So um, I I just I, – they may get a broken play here or there. They may get K.J. Hamler loose. They may even sneak McSorley out for one big game. Uh, but to do it repeatedly like they did last season, um, I I would be stunned if they're able to, to be that effective uh, with the football on the offensive side of things. Um so a couple opportunities for us to look silly on Saturday, Dave. Pr- prediction time. What do you uh, what do you, what do you foresee happening? Uh, uh, well, I guess I already said my little bit about it being time to go. Uh, 
I mean, it is time to go. You're right. say there's, you know, there's a lot in front of in front of this team. They've they've got the they've got the schedule lining up a bit to to go get it if they if they can do it. Uh, so I think uh, I'm going to go 28-10. I think the defense does it. Uh, I think the offense may take a little while to get going, but I think they kind of they kind of wear it down as the game goes on, similar to what we've seen the last couple of weeks, and the, and the rushing game kind of takes over. Uh, once they kind of tire out, uh, tire out Penn State's defense is how I foresee it going. I like it. I like it. And, uh, you know, on, on my end of things, I, um, you know, we, we joke about takes that are quote feelings ball where you don't have numbers to back it up. But, uh, you, you know, I kind of ended the last podcast with it, uh, in, in saying that, you know, uh, the, the bill is due for James Franklin on Saturday. And, um, for whatever it's worth, if you've been reading the players' press conferences this this week, uh, not a single one of them has forgotten what he tried to do at the end of that football game last year and 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 how that game went. Um, I think it fits into the pattern of how we've approached uh, each one of these games on the season so far. Um, and at home, three uh, silly ESPN three forty five kickoff, but let's call it a three thirty kickoff. Um, I think the crowd is going to be absolutely electric um, because like you said, I, I think most people are aware of what's in front of this team uh, and that they control their own destiny. And it's been a, it's been a couple of years since we were in that position. And I think that experience from Harbaugh's standpoint and from the guys who are still on this football team who were there, you know, at Iowa a couple of years ago uh, is only going to benefit them. Um, and like I talked about, I mean, I, I really think the matchups favor Michigan overall Um I was thinking long and hard about the score prediction, and uh, I, I don't know. You said twenty-eight ten. That was your that was your call. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go thirty-one uh, fourteen. So very similar, very similar. I'm going to go thirty-one fourteen. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the game. I'm really looking forward to uh, to our sister Rachel and our brother-in-law Matt joining us, and certainly wish them the best of luck and hope they enjoy themselves. And looking forward to seeing you. And you know, Matt, you're all right. You're all right, man. Dave, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say I'll be uh, I'll be transporting the two of them uh, tomorrow over to Ann Arbor. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a very good time. Uh, good, t- yeah, good time tailgating. I'm once again taking taking the high road here and <laughs> not pawning my two and a half year old son on somebody else. <laughs> so I'm sure that'll you know, the, that'll come back and pay me off for me in, in other ways. In football, but, in football karma, in yeah. football karma. And, I was hoping for knows, the, maybe I was hoping for the new kickoff to take him, but <laughs> didn't did not happen. So, well, Sam, we we still appreciate your uh, your your fandom <laughs> and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody on Saturday and getting right back into the swing of this season. And uh, let's go blue, Mastin. We're thinking of you. Hope you're surviving the uh, the pan flute and uh, water skiing squirrel at your gala. <laughs> and uh, like you said, Dave, man, it's time to go. Let's yep. let's go out and get this thing. This is this gonna be fun. Yes, go blue. Go blue. <laughs>